You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week I'm speaking to Garth McKenzie from Traders Corner. Is it .com or .co.uk these days, Garth? No, so it's still .co.za, Lindsay. Um, so traderscorner.co.za. I still very much run my South African business and focus on the South African markets, but I am in the process of building out traderscorner.london, yes. which is an interesting domain um, extension, which I registered some years ago. Like and that will be where I try to replicate what I do for the South African market, but focusing more on the international markets and so UK and US stocks will be my focus. Is there, is there a market for that? Because as I think we've mentioned this before, but let's just reiterate that or rather embellish it. Is, is there a market or is it far too crowded with other people who may not as be as clever as you, but are already established? Yeah, so it, it, uh, there's definitely a market, um, but you're right that it's far more competitive and there are a lot more players already in that market. But I also take a view of things is that there's place under the sun for everybody. And if you do good work and good analysis, you, you deserve your little piece under the sun. So That's you know, very not, corny, I'm, Garth, I'm, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's fair. You know, I'm not looking mm-hmm. to try and steal the lunch out of some, somebody else's mouth. Mm. I just want you know, my piece of the pie. And, and I do feel that if, you know, if I do good work, uh, I can build a following in the international market. It'll just take some time. Very good. I wish you well with that. And if I can help in any way, just let me know. Let's have a look at the the week that's just gone by, because although it's not a short week in South Africa, it feels like a short week, doesn't it? Because today is essentially a day off for the United States of America ahead of the July the 4th Independence Day celebrations tomorrow, muted as they they might be. But uh, it's been quiet. There's been not much corporate news. There has, of course, been some incredibly important data coming out of the United States of America, which is going to be one of your uh, focus points in the future after what you've just said amazingly volatile high frequency data we've seen coming from the states recently yeah there has been quite a bit of um of of, you're right very volatile data i mean particularly the um the employment data is Mm. is whipping around quite substantially and obviously one also has to then delve into what's you know moving those numbers and how and, and at what levels of the market or levels of the economy the jobs are are recovering and where they're not recovering. So there's all sorts of funnies. But I think net-net, one's got to probably accept that although we've seen a, a recovery in jobs this week, um, it's still down a lot on where it was a couple of months ago and most likely will also settle at levels where joblessness is higher than it was a couple of months ago. Yes. What do you make of the fact that some states are already closing down after an ill-conceived reopening? Do you think that is going to affect the next month's jobs numbers? And if so, will it affect the market or is the market just sanguine and doesn't really care about it? In fact, just to finish this point I'm making, I was speaking to a chap yesterday, an American fellow, and he said Trump is a bad guy, a really bad guy. But does the stock market care? No, it doesn't. The stock market doesn't care. No, it doesn't care. And and that's the thing. It's, you know, we've got these diverging forces pulling against each other right now. So on the one hand, you've got all these weak fundamentals like high joblessness, um, weak, weak economic data, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, you've got the fact that the central banks and particularly the Fed are just pushing liquidity into these markets at an unprecedented rate. 
And that is what seems to be propping up the stock market. Mm. So you, you've got the divergent forces in either direction. And you're right, the market just seems to largely be shrugging off the, the negative economic data and the negative fundamental situation we find ourselves in. And, and prices in the market just keep going higher. And price-to-earnings ratios just continue to expand, um, notwithstanding the weak fundamental backdrop. Yes, indeed. What is your stance at the moment? The weekly wrap it really doesn't need to be wrapped up too much because there's not much to wrap. Uh, so what is your – let's look to the future rather than the past. Well, how are you positioned at the moment, Garth, at traderscorner.co.za? Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm fairly cash flush. Um, and something I've been doing a lot of lately is just t- tra- taking smaller trades but short-term positions. So not getting too aggressively positioned in one direction or the other but rather looking for those shorter-term trading opportunities. And just trying to sculpt the, you know, a couple of percentage points here and there that are available. Yes. Um, and r- rather than being c- too committed one way or the other. Because like I said, you, know, you can make a case for being bearish. I think there's a strong case to be made for being bearish. And yet the technicals don't really look bearish in the market. Mm. Um, and, and, so, uh, and I'm a big believer that you've got to trade what you see. So yes. you, you're entitled to have an opinion, which is fine. Everyone can have an opinion. But at the end of the day, you've got to trade what you see. And, um, and, and for the most part, generally speaking, a lot of what I follow still actually looks reasonably bullish on, on the charts and the technical setups. So I've mainly been making money on the long side, um, looking at opportunities here and there, just to try and sculpt those couple of percentage points and, and not necessarily trying to pick up a, a bullish or bearish bias on the market based on any preconceived opinions. Okay, so what you're saying is that you, in your gut, you feel that the market should go down, but your charts and what you see on the screen tells you to carry on long, but at some stage that's going to break. Maybe it's one of these situations, Garth, where you wait for the first 5% down and then get on board. In other words, you know, just let the clever people get their first 5% in and then we just tag onto their coattails. Yeah, it's possible. Um, of course, you don't know because the first 5% might just be the short-term dip that you need to buy. Mm. And so it's very difficult to 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 say that outright. Um, I think it's also one of these situations where that another old cliche is that the market can stay irrational for longer than you can remain solvent, mm. and and that's probably the case. And I think one needs to keep that in mind now, where uh, you know the market may very well appear irrational at the moment, but you know you've got to trade what you see, and not and and not second guess what the market is actually doing. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you, you, what you said is right. I can make a case for being bearish and that the market's got it all wrong. But at the same time, the, you know, the setups and things I look at are, are still, for the most part, the momentum is actually still pointing upwards. And whilst that is the case, I think if you're a bear, you're going to still probably have a hard time. It's almost as though you morally and rationally you want the market to go get down, but you know it's going to go up. I'm getting that sort of uh, uh, conflicting opinion from you because it's exactly how I feel. I don't want the market to go down, but I think it should go down because of the people that are in charge of the markets at the moment, and you know who I'm talking about. But on the other hand, it's going up because there's so much momentum and people are buying it because everyone else is buying it. I'm not being very coherent, but I think you probably get my gist. Yeah, I, I get your gist, and I think that's right. And it, it, again, it talks to these diverging things and the weak fundamentals, but yet strong momentum and strong technicals. 
Um, you know, I suppose one could, in some respects, liken it a little bit to, you know, 1999, where you had the dot-com bubble, where, but despite every argument under the sun as to why things were overvalued and prices were ridiculous, yet they kept on going up. And, and, and I suppose we could be in a similar sort of situation now. At some point, one's got to believe that those fundamentals went out and that the market will reprice for the weak fundamental backdrop. But but trying to time that is uh, is difficult, and trying and, and certainly if you're early, you, you know you could find yourself on the on the receiving end of a lot of pain. Mm. And 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 I mean I read something the other day which I thought was so pertinent. I said that being right but being early is the same as being wrong. And mm-hmm. and and I think that's 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 a great saying to remember. It's all very well. You know, we'll probably be right eventually by thinking that the market needs to reconnect with these weak fundamentals. But who knows how much higher it goes before it eventually cracks. And and as a trader, um, I'd far rather just trade what I see um, based on setups that I see technically. And, and and I'll keep my, you know, fundamental bias in the back of my head. But I, I don't believe that I, I should be trading necessarily based on that fundamental bias. Okay, it's a little bit harsh. I mean, being right but being early is the same as being wrong. I mean, if you spoke to some value or even deep value managers, they'd say, well, I was right after six, seven years, but I was wrong for the first uh, uh, two years. And, yeah, there's there's an argument on both sides, I think. Yeah, there, there is an argument on both sides. But I think that you know, there's there's also the old saying like the stop clock tells the right time twice a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I I think you know you what you want to generally speaking be on the right side of the market's movements. Um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable being on the wrong side of the market's movements for seven years. I, I wouldn't be able to make a living like that. No. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, and I and I always think back to my days as a as a broker in the late. Uh, well, two two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, around that time, yeah. and I had a client who, who, who for for probably three years before the financial market uh, financial crisis, was going on about everything, saying the housing bubble is going to burst in the U.S. and this whole house of cards is going to come tumbling down. And he was, he he was so uh, aggressive in his view. And he was, was spot on as well, of course. Uh, yeah, well, this is it, and he, and he shorted the market and shorted it and shorted it and. All, and ultimately, he blew his account up completely. Oh no! By, by, by being short, and eventually he was right. But of course, by that point, it was too late. So that's the point I make: is that you know, being right but being early is the same as being wrong. Because unfortunately for that guy, he was eventually right, but ultimately he didn't make any money out of it. Yeah, you see, he he did what you don't do, and that is uh, overgear yourself and uh, manage your position. He could have stopped himself out 10, 11, 12, 20 times and, and lost small amounts, and eventually uh, the big kahuna could have come and he could have made everything back uh, times 10. Uh, so that's what you've always advocated to me and what I've always – one of the things I've always taken from our conversations is you are a very strict risk manager. Yeah, I think if you want to be successful in trading, you have to be a good risk manager. I think that's absolutely critical. So you need to accept that in trading, you're going to get some of your trades. You want to just try and get more of them right than you get wrong. And when you are wrong, you want to make sure that your losses are very small. 
Uh, and then when you're right, you try and maximize the gains that you make on the trades that are right. So what, what would you have done if you were that convinced that this, uh, this, this client that you've told us about, if you'd been that client, you would have done it completely differently and you'd still be in the market now and you'd probably be in the Bahamas on a pink beach. Well, that's right. And I did say to him all along, uh, you know, that you, you re- need to realize that by shorting into a strong market, you're fighting a very, very strong momentum. And But he wouldn't hear of it. And, uh, and and I think it's the same now. You know, we've got these diverging for, forces, the weak fundamentals, but a strong market. And what do you do? So to my mind, you know, I, I'm going to align myself with the momentum in the market until such time as that momentum breaks. And 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 I might cons- and I might think in my mind that th- this is ridiculous and it's overvalued and what have you. But at the at the end of the day, you've got to trade what you see. Um, let, let's take a look at a stock, for example, like Tesla. Now, this is the greatest example of trade what you see, not what you think, because that stock is so technically strong and so technically bullish. But fundamentally, you can make all the arguments under the sun as to why it is an absolute bubble and it's it's wildly overvalued. Yes. I mean, it's now gone to be bigger than Toyota. I mean, for goodness sake. Yes. You know, this small motor car manufacturer that makes a few thousand electric vehicles every year is now bigger than Toyota, the biggest automotive. Which sells 10 million vehicles a year. And um, what, what does Tesla sell? 500,000 yeah, if they're a, lucky? A couple, of, a couple of hundred thousand. Mm. You know, so th- it's just that then, and they're not even on the same page in terms of um, capacity and and all of that. And yet here you have a situation where Tesla is now bigger by market capitalization than Toyota is. And and I, I look at that chart of Tesla and I look at the momentum in that stock and it's been bullish. You know, it, it goes up, it consolidates into these nice, neat, perfectly formed little technical consolidation patterns, and then it breaks higher and then it does it again and goes higher. And all the while, the shorts are getting absolutely creamed in this thing. Yeah. Um, and it, that is, again, it's exactly what I say. You've got to trade what you see, not what you think. And that, that Tesla is an absolutely textbook example of that concept. Yes, because every single fundamental six months ago was anti-Elon Musk, anti the company. It wasn't delivering. The, uh, the Tesla 3 series wasn't running off the production lines. And it was, he was going a little bit bonkers with his silly dancing on stage and uh, uh, saying silly things about regulators and, and, and delisting and all sorts of things. I don't know what was going on, but there was every single chance for a bear to profit. And in fact, I think it was the most shorted stock of its class on the exchange. Mm. And then suddenly now, what's happened to it? What is it now? 11, 11, 80, 11, 90? It went to to $1,200. There you go. Yesterday. And I mean, it was $1,000 only a week ago. So it's done 20% this week. Um, And, and, but you know, when it was trading at just under a thousand, if you look at the chart of it, mm. you'll see it made the most beautiful little ascending triangle pattern. Mm. The breakout above a thousand dollars was inevitable, and it was going to squeeze higher. And that's exactly what it's done. And from a trader's perspective, you had to be long that stock based on that technical setup, N- notwithstanding any fundamental considerations about the fact that the forward PE is three hundred times and all of that. Mm. You know, fine. And maybe one day, one day, maybe those fundamentals will come back and, and, and the stock will need to come back to earth. 
But until it happens, you know, I'm not going to be the guy second guessing that because the, the trading floor is littered with the dead bodies of people who've shorted Tesla based on a fundamental view. It's the perfect punter stock. Number one, it's a good story. Number one, uh, number two, sorry, we understand it. Number three, it's got an enigmatic owner who's in the news all the time. So you can feed off that. And the most important thing, the liquidity is extraordinary. Uh, mm -hmm. You can get in and out very, very quickly, very, very easily, 24 hours a day. It's, it's, it's a dream. Yeah, it is a dream. And, and, and as I say, there are plenty of trading opportunities in that stock. But you've got to trade it based on what it's doing. Mm -hmm. Look at what the price is doing. Don't you know, put your preconceived fundamentals idea to, ideas to one side when trading that stock. Because you know, if you put your fundamental goggles on, you'll want to be bearish. But yet, the technical trading action is actually extremely bullish. Good. Now, let's talk about the South African stock market, the JSC Securities Exchange, which has had a run along with the rest of the markets. This is supposed to be the weekly wrap, but it's the weekly look forward. I need a, a couple of ideas from you at the moment. I know you're looking for smaller increments, smaller profits here and there. But is there anything that you fancy at the moment, given all the fundamentals that we've been speaking about and the technicals that are playing across your screen right now? Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of, of shares that I'm actively watching and trading. Mm. Um, and, and some of them are not the most exciting stocks, believe it or not. So, so take, for example, something like Sunlum. I mean, it's really not a very exciting stock, but that, that stock lately has been very range bound. It trades in, a, in a, about a four rand range. So between, I call it 58 rand and 62 rand. But you know that it's very liquid. It trades millions of shares every day. And if you can just identify the, that range and trade off the extremes of the range, there's, there's money to be made in a stock like that. As boring as it is, there's plenty of liquidity and there's movement within that range. So something like that is something I've been quite actively trading in lately. Um, another one is, is Anglo Platinum. It's also quite range-bound at the moment. It seems to have found a higher range between about 1180 and 1280. And, and, and that's a 100 rand range that you can trade on that stock. And again, if you look to be buying into any short-term dip to the bottom of the range and selling into the top of that range, there's money to be made there. Um, Telcom was another stock that was doing that some time ago. It's now broken higher, and it's been very strong over the last few weeks. But Telcom was also a nice range trader where you could pick up a 10 or 15% trading range, and you could just trade that range over and over and over. So there's quite a few of those types of opportunities around um, that that I'm looking at, and and specifically you've got to focus on the stocks on the JSE that are that are liquid for that type of trading. So the ones that I've mentioned are pretty liquid. Sunland's very liquid. Angloplatz is quite liquid. Um, you know, Telcom is very liquid. Um, another one like an MTN as well is also fairly range bound at the moment, and and if you can identify the extremes of the range there there's also plenty of liquidity to be able to trade those ranges and i think in this time of the year that's the sort of strategy i think would that, that one needs to be looking at um historically the middle months of the year are usually a, a bit sticky and a bit range bound and a bit sideways and that kind of appears to be the case at the moment so if that's the nature of the market at the moment, then let's find the stocks that give us the best opportunities to try and trade that sort of market environment. And those are the, some of the ones that I've mentioned, which give you quite nice 
trading opportunities. But you have to be on the ball and you have to be watching the screens quite actively to, to pick up the opportunities in those stocks when they're trading in those ranges. Final question, the major indices, whether it be the Dow Jones, the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Hang Seng, the All Share Index, the Top 40 Index of the JSC Securities Exchange, are you seeing any warning signs of something cataclysmic or rather disturbing that might play out as we enter the second half of 2020? No, not at, not at the moment. The only thing I'll say that there's maybe a bit of a warning sign is on the NASDAQ, which has been the strongest index um, in the world, and, and it's broken to new all-time highs, which the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones have not done. Um, so the NASDAQ's been very strong. But one thing that's just a, maybe a little bit of a warning sign there is that there is very clear negative divergence beginning to emerge there on the, the stochastic oscillator and the, and the RSI, the relative strength index. And those that negative, uh, negative divergence does often indicate that the upward momentum in the market is slowing down. So I think it's just something to be aware of. It's not to say that we expect the market to crash, but it does suggest to me that maybe this move higher is just starting to get into the air is getting a bit thin up here at the moment, and it's possible that you see some consolidation occurring there. That's the only area, that only thing that's kind of giving me cause for, for some um, concern at the moment. But, but yeah, I mean, let's see. And also just note, like I said, seasonally this time of the year, these middle months of the year generally are a bit choppy. Um, as you get out into maybe... September, October. Yes. Um, historically, you can also get a bit of a correction in the market then, and then a strong lead up into the end of the year. So I don't know whether that seasonal pattern will, in fact, play out again this year. Um, so this year, US, so far, US election, followed, of course, is going to be a, yeah, a huge yeah, so influence. Correct. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is the next thing just to bear in mind is that there's the US election in November, and that. Um, it's just historically, markets are usually fairly strong into an election. So mm. I think one's got to keep that in the back of your mind as well as we approach the end of the year and the US presidential election again. Very good, Garth. Thanks so much for your time. It was going to be the weekly wrap, which was uh, five minutes of our chat, but it was the uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly and yearly look forward. Thank you so much. That's Garth McKenzie. And you can follow his work by going to traderscorner.co.za. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.